Hey, welcome to the Finance Fam Podcast, where we cover finances, faith, family, and freedom. Whether you're in debt or a seasoned investor, we cover all the ways we're beating the rat race, thriving in recession, building wealth for future generations, and living with purpose to ultimately gain freedom and impact the kingdom, however the Lord calls us as believers. My name is Isaiah, and I'm one of the hosts of the show, alongside my good friend Andrew. We're both millennials living typical millennial lives, plus we love Jesus, we love our families, and we love freedom. Everything we cover is for entertainment purposes and should not be considered financial advice. Please don't sue us. Enjoy the show. Thanks. Welcome everyone back to Finance Fam, and we're going to be talking about consumer debt today. Let's go. Yeah, this is going to be so fun. Buckle up. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a roller coaster. Oh, yeah. Before we jump into debt, we want to keep answering your questions and um, just explaining kind of our philosophy. These are awesome questions. Again, continue continue to fill out those polls and email us and ask us, DM us any questions you have. We need questions to answer questions. So definitely keep doing that. Um, it's we're actually I'm really enjoying answering these questions. I'm not yeah. sure if you are. Andrew, it's been but, awesome. Oh, yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> We've really been enjoying answering these questions. So I will start with one from Instagram today here. Um, this question is from a friend of mine. How much is too much to put into retirement? I'll take a minute here and just say it goes back into, I think, your financial independence number. It depends on your goals. I think we touched on this last episode where we talked about every person's situation is different. Their goals are different. Their income is different. Where they're wanting to, the life they want as far as retirement and what the Lord has called them to and what the future holds everybody's thing is different. So how much is too much to put into retirement? I, I always err on the side of just get more. You know, if you don't, I mean, you need clarity, you need to have that number, but yeah. when in doubt, invest more. Uh, it does not hurt to to invest more. We had somebody who was maxing out their Roth, their 401k. They had an emergency fund. It was like, okay, move on to your taxable brokerage. Like yep. all you're buying at that point is time. And so, you know, if you're talking about, if you want to retire at 65, the, the standard age, and you want to keep working the next couple, the next 30, 40 years, that, that's great. It's fine. But I, and I think you would echo this, Andrew, like we are on this vision of bringing retirement to us, bringing that future to today. And the way you do that is by buying back your time with investments. So that's my philosophy. That's exactly right. Yeah. I would say there's not too much to put into retirement. I mean, I would say if you're feeling a measure of uneasiness, if the numbers are getting into some serious zeros, you know, I, I, I would say ask the Holy Spirit what is too much, because I think that, you know, if you're finding your security and how much you have in retirement and not in the Lord, like financial independence is great. But, you know, if you get into financial independence and you think you did it, I got news for you, buddy. Sorry. Everything belongs to God. It's all his. We're just stewards of it. Amen. And so I would just say like, there's never too much, but if the, if you feel a conviction, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I don't know, maybe it's too much. I, I I would say it just depends on your goals. Like if you're investing without a vision, don't, don't do that. Have a, have a number in mind, have a goal in mind without a number or a goal. You know, you're just, it, it it's not, it's, it's not a plan because you yeah, could, it's actionable because you could literally have a billion dollars and, you know, not be able to quit because you're addicted to work. Yeah. That doesn't help anybody. Like that's, that's not a helpful lifestyle. And so I think making sure in the now that you have a vision for your life, a vision for where you're going, finding purpose and meaning in your work. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to, I know I said I was going to be done, but the antithesis of the question is also true. Like how much is too little to put into retirement? You know, I think yeah. when you have that financial number, 
you want that money to last you at least 30, 40 years. So just consider that as you're pulling from it, as you think about pulling from it in the future. Yeah. I feel like the too, uh, too little is a much easier question to answer um, than, than too much. There's probably not a lot of limitations. <laughs> like, yeah. Become a billionaire. If you're already a millionaire, become a billionaire. <laughs> if you're a billionaire, become a trillionaire. Yeah. I would lean towards more than, than not enough. Okay. We got to have inflation. We don't know, oh, yeah. you know, the future holds. So. Yeah. And we already know based on the study, I think we did in our first episode, people radically underestimate what they need in retirement. Yeah. And yeah. so don't be shoot on, for the moon, shoot for the moon because yeah. who knows what will happen. Cool. Thanks for that question. Give us some more. All right, let's get into consumer debt. Um, Andrew, you have a an article here. You want to talk about the history of debt? <laughs> when you say an article, I use that term loosely. A Wikipedia page. <laughs> Am I gonna, are we going to share that in the notes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we will. Let, let's go ahead and okay. say we will. So uh, basically, this is a book I found. I read a synopsis this morning at 6 a.m. I was drinking my first cup of coffee. And uh, so there's a book called Debt, The First 5,000 Years That details what debt is and what it has been. And so the concept of debt, this actually surprised me when I read it this morning. (laughs) It is older than the concept of money, an IOU. You do me a favor, back when bartering was a thing, you do me a favor, I owe you a favor. That's Mm -hmm. a form of debt. And so basically one of the, the, the earliest mentions in the Bible, the Bible has a lot to say about debt, is in context of the year of Jubilee. And so back in ancient Israel, there was a 50-year cycle to where once you reached that point, all debt was forgiven. Every 50 years. So you knew in that society, it's very, very different from ours. Man, we need a year of Jubilee in our nation. I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know how many trillions of dollars we have in debt right now. You could probably Google that real fast and find it. But like, I just, when I read this, about the year of Jubilee for the first time. I, I forget w- when I read it, but the idea that debt was never intended to be permanent. Mm. Like it's not healthy. I don't think that a society is healthy if you have permanent debt, if you have, and, and so this this act of Jubilee that would happen, can you imagine like uh, loaning to someone the year before Jubilee? Like, hey, I'll Isaiah. I'll be taking out. A billion dollars. <laughs> so so uh, let's let's say we're ancient Israelites. Uh, yeah. So uh, Isaiah, um, I would like to borrow ten grand from you. I will totally pay it back. I know Jubilee starts next month, but I got you right. <laughs> I totally got you. I'm totally good for it. <laughs> Meaning, you hand me that ten grand, and then a month down the road, Jubilee hits, and I go. Oh, dude, I was totally going to pay it, but like, oh, that's forgiven. I just like, I don't know. I couldn't get to it. Yeah. Forgiven. There's nothing you could do about it. And if you complained about it, sorry, too bad. Yeah. And I actually think that system is healthier. I really do. I think that there's well, it nothing. Would, it would change the, probably the relationship of how we lend exactly. in the first place. Yeah. yeah. Debt destroys relationships every day. And so if you're, I mean, debt forgiveness is a biblical concept when, when Jesus said, he was mentioning Jubilee, he was referencing Jubilee when he said, when you lend to someone, don't expect anything in return. That's yeah, what right, Jesus said right. about debt. There's a heart posture. Oh, man. Yeah. Anyway, so that's a brief history of debt. Like I said, in America, it's it's completely different. We've we've got debt. A debt, is, debt is a part of our society. So on the flip side, what I believe was the biblical 
um, measure of debt, debt that was forgiven, this is not a biblical society. No. Yeah, with the idea of debt accruing over and over and over and com- compounding over, you know, over and over and over and over. And so uh, today we'll be talking about a very specific kind of debt, consumer debt. Um, we'll get into kind of the intro level, like what is good debt, what is bad debt. In economics, uh, consumer debt is the amount owed by consumers. It includes debt incurring on purchased goods that are consumable and or do not appreciate. In macroeconomic terms, gosh, that's a big word, it is debt uh, which is used to fund consumption rather than investment. Mm. And so, for example, a mortgage would not be considered consumer debt because it is an appreciating asset, except here recently I've lost about, I don't know, (laughs) I've lost 10 grand on my house this past month. And it can also be used to generate passive income. So, yeah, anything to add to that? Yeah, um, I want to plug in Rich Dad, Poor Dad, actually. Kind of random, kind of off the cuff here. Robert it. Kiyosaki. Read of, that book. Of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah, great book. Um, he he gets even more specific about about debt and money. He, he refers to the thing as a balance sheet, you know? Assets and liabilities. An asset is anything that makes me money. A liability is anything that takes money out of my pocket. And we'll talk about this. We're about to dive really deep into credit cards, loans, college, all these sorts of things that we take out debt for um, in, in more depth. But he talks about, like, he actually believes your house, if you're paying for it, is not um, an asset. He considers it a liability because it's taking money out of your pocket. So it's, it's just an interesting philosophy. I'm not saying we agree with that philosophy, but... I disagree. Um, <laughs> but... Agree to disagree. Great book. Love the concepts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But if both my houses are generating passive income... That sounds like an asset to me, Isaiah. It sounds like yeah, you have two yeah. great assets. Yeah, I like, I like to think so. So anyways, as we talk about consumer debt, again, we'll take the mortgage situation out of the equation here. Think about what is making you money. As you think about good debt or bad debt, I like to think about what is making money, what is taking money away. So that's a very broad definition, but we'll get, we'll get more in depth here. Heck yeah. So here's some examples um, of some consumer debt, and I'm I'm going to be a little bit controversial. I'm loop, <laughs> I'm uh, looping in um, college loans to consumer debt, and I'll tell you why in a second. So here's some examples of consumer debt: credit cards, car loans, phone leases, college loans. So yeah, those are those are some examples of what would be considered. And the reason why I'm including college loans is. You can't trade your piece of paper. My diploma from uh, Columbus State University. Uh, go Cougars, by the way. Um, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even with that name. Uh, so, so yes, my my uh, diploma from Columbus State University. Isaiah, how much would you pay me for that piece of paper that I have? Like, if I was just to hand it to you, yeah. I mean, what would that do for you? It's a piece of paper. I can't necessarily use it, so. It's not worth anything to me. Exactly. It is valuable exactly to me yeah. and no one else. It's like an NFT. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's, it's like not. fine you art you for your wall. You can't transfer oh you 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 ownership. It's like fine art on your wall. So yeah, not to diminish the, the, so what I'm, what I'm saying here is a college loan, the value it brings is knowledge and knowledge. I mean, that's why you're listening to this show. 
Hey, just want to take a quick second and thank you for listening to this show. If you have found value, if it's benefited your life, if you enjoy listening to us, would you please take a second just to, uh, it literally takes a second, scroll up to the top of Spotify if you're listening there and just leave a five-star review, share it with somebody, maybe send a screenshot, post on Instagram, do whatever you want. But the way podcasts grow is by sharing it by word of mouth. That's the primary way they grow. So if you could take a second and share that, that would be so awesome and benefit us. So again, thank you for listening. Back to the show. Knowledge probably is the most valuable thing. And so I don't want to discount that aspect of it, yeah. but I think the reason I don't want people getting into a student loan situation is because there's no guarantee that what you learn on a, a college campus in America is going to help you with day to day. I learn more. Oh gosh. I learned more reading self-help books in 2019 than I did in four years of college. Yeah. I, I, I sincerely mean that because in college, if you don't have the right mindset, if you're just going because it's like expected of you by your parents or whoever, grandparents or whatever, and it's, you're letting society pressure you, you're not doing it because it's providing any value to your life. And when you're 18 years old coming out of high school, guess what? You're entering the real world. You're paying a real debt. You're paying, when you're paying a student loan, you are literally taking every dollar that you're spending on a student loan is worth $88. So that is why, that is the reason I say do not get a college loan. If you're thinking about it right now, do not do it because at the end of the day, there's no guarantee that that knowledge is going to be worthwhile to you. There's no guarantee. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm actually going to disagree a little bit here. Let's go. I would say I very heavily, (laughs) heavily agree with 80% of that. Let's Um, go. And we'll probably have another episode that's about. Do I go to college? Or do I go to <laughs> do college? I go to college? Uh, but for many degrees out there, I mean, we live in, in America where it's uh, you can have anything you want, you can be whatever you want, and so now we have people who are getting degrees in things like learning. I don't know Latin. Sorry, to those of you yeah. who have Latin degrees, it's like that's not going to make you money, bro. And so exactly. now you have this debt. But I would say there, I would say there are exceptions. You know, I don't want to just give it a hard set rule. I think if you are like the classic fields, like we talk about becoming a lawyer or doctor Engineer. i'm sure that's changing yeah but there, totally. there are may, maybe some instances where it makes sense in general yeah i learned more my first day at an agency than i did four years of college about yes, marketing exactly it's so insane and then you know what they told me to do for training they told me to go on youtube and watch videos about how to how to do marketing yes like, what there's like, education online that is more relevant for the real world than you'd get in four years of college yeah. and so i'm not against college but if you're going to college without a vision if or if you're, you're if you're going there to think or to to assume that this is going to guarantee you something, that's not the way. It or works. to figure out your life, you should not <laughs> be figuring out your life in college. Figuring out who you are. It's a very should, expensive way to figure out. Your you life. should really know what major you're going to be doing. You should really know not just the major you're going to have, but what you're going to do with it. And yeah. that's that's my uh, unpopular opinion. I, I mostly <laughs> agree. Yeah, yeah. We'll anyway, do we'll do, another we'll do a whole episode yeah. on that. So sweet, the right mindset towards debt. You want to touch on this? Yeah, yeah. In general, um, debt should feel like we keep saying this. Debt should feel like an emergency. Consumer debt is is not fun. It's a liability. It's taking money out of your pocket. You are are missing on the opportunity to invest that money to let money work for you. It is tying you down like an anchor, like a weight. You are, as the Bible says, slave to the lender. That's exactly right. And so, uh, what we're going to say on this podcast, and Dave Ramsey says this a lot, just be weird because normal is broke. When he wrote Total Money Makeover, the numbers he was using astounded me, like the average debt and stuff. Since then, 
debt has increased. Since then, your average car payment, credit card payment, student loan, et cetera, has gone way, way up. So we're just going to touch on what is normal. And so uh, this is what we have right now. Uh, Credit cards, the average credit card balance in America, or uh, so the average credit card debt is $14,000. And this happens when you do not pay off the balance. Can you touch on that a little bit? Like how can you use credit cards to your advantage as far as disadvantage or instead of at a disadvantage? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we, so again, this is where we get into the difference between between me and you, Andrew. And I love that we're, we're able to have these conversations. We have, we didn't have credit cards when we were going through Dave Ramsey. For, you know, 100% believe like if you don't know how to use that as a tool, don't have a credit card, don't carry a balance. It's obviously stupid. There's incredibly high interest rates. You are losing money. They are making, there's a reason why they're making money off of you. Yeah. You think you're going to save and make money and get your, you know, sky mile points. Like that's not how that works. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, we do use a credit card. We carry a yeah, balance same here. with, with budgeting and with, we always paid off every month. We have, you know, a surplus of money to always cover that. Plus if you have a budget, you shouldn't even have to worry about that. There is a, there is a benefit there. Like there are cards that do, uh, there's a little side niche of, of finance. It's like credit card hacking. You yeah. Know? We should it's, do a whole episode on credit. I'd card love to do hacking. that. That'd be yeah. fun. You know, we have the city card 2% cash back and don't Shout get caught out up to in city. that. That's right. Your best friend. <laughs> They're not your best friend because many of them are, <laughs> yeah, many of those guys are ripping off people. But for the small, uh, part of the population that's like using these credit cards, I'm getting back some money each month yeah. and I am, I love to defer, you know, some, some expenses to, to the following month. Cause I get to invest the money. I always lo- live by the, the principle. I should pay myself first. I'm always like, I'm going to invest before I, you know, pay whoever I owe, which is why we can talk about my, my phone purchase if you want. But um, cool, cool. <laughs> anyways, that I don't think it was really clear, but it don't carry a balance. Yeah. Pay off each month. There can be benefits, but you got to be really diligent and smart. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say like, just don't, I mean, pay that sucker off. I'm not going to tell you not to get a credit card. You know, I'm not that extreme. I think that credit cards can be used for good. Like you can travel places for free. Like it's totally possible to hack your credit card. But I would say like, make sure you're paying that sucker off every single month. It's like playing with a rattlesnake. Like if you're a, a, I don't know if you're the crocodile hunter, rest in peace, you're going to be able to pick up a snake and be fine if you're skilled. But if if you are constantly getting bit by a credit card, it might be best to just take a sabbatical from that sucker. Just play just, some defense. Yeah, play some defense. Just, yeah. you know, use a debit card, use the cash method. Um, but basically, this happens. And the reason why Americans are $14,000 in debt, it's because they do not pay off the balance. And so that's normal. Yeah. So the normal auto loan, uh, to transition to that, oh, $31,000. This is a depreciating asset. If you buy a brand new car and you leave the lot, it automatically goes down like... I think it's 11% or something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm glad you knew the number. It's it's ridiculous. If you buy, yeah. just to put some numbers on that, if you're driving, a, if you buy, if you have a $30,000 dollar car, you drive it off the lot, you're talking $3,000, more than $3,000 immediately. Bam. It floats into thin air. Yeah. So if you buy a car with one mile driven on it, that's like, that's kind of sweet. It's kind of a sweet spot. Anyway. Yeah. Hey, just want to take a second. This is our plug. If you are somebody who needs help with your finances, whether you need help with a budget or getting out of debt or starting your investing journey, 
Andrew and I can help you. Go into the podcast description. There's a form there. You can fill out some information and we will get back to you. All right. Thanks. Back to the show. I, yeah, I would just say, I think this is probably the biggest, this is the biggest problem in America. No one's really talking about it, but yeah. it's like, we've been trained to keep up with the Joneses. You need a good car. Like you need to to have a nice car. It's like, no, you don't. Like, just because everybody has a 2018 Hyundai, like, bro, you do not need that. Like yeah. a $5,000 car and a $30,000 car do the exact same thing to get you from point A to point B. And when people are like telling me they don't have money to invest into their Roth, 500 bucks a month, like they can't do that, but they're spending 750 bucks on a car payment. Preach. What are you doing? Like you, you do have what it takes. You're <laughs> back to budgeting. You're telling your money. I am prioritizing my, you know, newer ride over my future. And that's, that's harsh. Like people like to hear that, but that's the reality. I drive, I drive a 10 year old car. It's paid off. Both of our cars are over 10 years old. I don't care. It works fine. It's great. It's a Honda. So, so people get in trouble with auto loans because it is a depreciating asset. I think that's something that can't be understated. You buy that $30,000 car, you drive it off the lot, it depreciates immediately. And the problem with having a, a, a car loan is that car loan doesn't care if you get in a bad wreck that's your fault. A car loan doesn't care if that sucker has a transmission issue and you've got to repair oh, it. you got to yeah. take it to the shop. That car loan don't care. It's just going to keep coming. If you sell that car, you know what? A car loan doesn't even care if you even own that thing. It could, someone else could be driving a car that you're paying for. And for some people, that's the appropriate response. They need to just sell it and get rid of it. And, and unfortunately yeah. just keep, and bite the bullet, keep the debt for some people. That's, that's what needs to happen instead of driving around this thing. You got to drive. Anyway, all that said, remember that a car, same thing with a, with a, uh, a, a trailer or like a, a mobile home. That's why a mobile home is bad. It's a depreciating asset. It's not an appreciating asset like a, like a home yeah. would. I'm, this is going to be a long episode. I don't even care. Cause I need to, <laughs> we need to, we so need to good. bring this point in. Yeah. One of my favorite books, financial freedom by Grant Sabater. He talks about the cost of, of a car loan. I want to read this. Um, not only is a new car often quite expensive, but it's not an investment that will gain value over time. So um, he says, realize you're trading two things when you buy a new car. The first, you're trading all your life that you spent making the money to buy it. And second, you've lost the opportunity for that money to grow oh. over time. So buying a $40,000 car, for instance, he says, would require a year's worth of work if you're earning $20 per hour after taxes and working 200 hours annually. If you had invested that money instead, it would be worth more than $240,000 after 30 years with a 6% rate of return or more than $440,000 with an 8% rate of return. So that is, <laughs> that is the alarm. That is the wake-up call of student of us of car loans i just want to cry <laughs> i feel like with a lot of this stuff it just makes me want to cry it, it's oh uh, yeah a car should be a blessing it should get you from point a to point b if it does that that works if you're driving a i don't know a beater five grand car it's no different than driving a 20 grand car it's 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 a car it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a status symbol. Keeping up with the Jones is a thing. I, I would, I'm, again, I'm, we're going to go along this episode. I'd well spring that, you know, like, why uh -oh. are you, why are you wanting the new car? What's the uh. thing you're chasing? What's the, what's the underlying feeling? Why do you need that? Is it security? Is it impressing people? Is it personal happiness? Um, there's a lot of factors there. The last thing I'm going to plug in another author, Robert Kiyosaki talks about yeah. buying a new car. And he's like, when you, 
you know who's more excited when you buy a new car? Oftentimes, it's your boss. You know, it's the person. I'm going to say the man, corporate America, like yeah. keeping you tied down to not be able to build wealth. You know, stuck in that rat race. So, I think we've harped enough on cars, but no, it's good. Yeah. So the average student loan uh, in America, fifty eight k. This is actually hard to believe. It's actually that it is that high. Yeah. Fifty eight thousand. Yeah. Dollars, and we don't have time to dive deep. You know, I, I kind of spoke on this earlier, but you know, I, I believe that a, a large part of the educa- higher the quote unquote higher education system is a scam. That's just my personal belief. You can believe what you want, but I've seen if you just there are documentaries about the systems that are in place and why tuition is so high. Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're paying a lot of people to shuffle their feet and do nothing and not provide any real value to students. And so yeah. I would just make sure that when you do go to school, A, don't go into debt. B, make sure you know why you're there, what you're doing. Don't just go on campus. And uh yeah, we'll we'll talk about this another time. You have a comment on this, Isaiah? Um we touched on it earlier. And I think we'll do another episode. You know, there's there's a system in place that's been around in America where you have to go to school to get your job, quote unquote. And it's like it's it's not real. We are we we need uh, landscapers and yes. plumbers and electricians. And there's things that you don't re- that don't require a degree that you can go after. There is YouTube. There's the age of globalism. Like there's so many more ways to make money. The old tried and true way of going to college, like that, is a thing of the past, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, there are exceptions, like sure. we talked about. Sure. But we'll get we'll talk about another episode that's exactly right i mean plumbers electricians like i know plumbers and electricians lawn uh landscapers that are on their way to being millionaires and this is not talked about enough there are people who have just said no to higher education and not only did they not get in student debt but they also got started on a career that that was very lucrative and gave them such purpose and just like what you're saying about the car like you know if you eliminate the cachet of college, I, I guess if that makes sense, if you eliminate that from the equation, like you can find satisfaction and joy in anything you do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not about what you do. It's who you do it with. Yeah. And that's why this podcast is so amazing. Yep. Cause I get to do it with you, Isaiah. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, we'll really quick, quickly hit on two ways to get out of debt. This is my favorite thing in the whole entire world. There are tried and true plans to get out of debt. Um, one of them is, uh, what debt, uh, what Dave Ramsey calls, I almost called him debt Ramsey. <laughs> he would hate that. <laughs> debt Ramsey show. <laughs> so, so he uh, talks about something called the debt snowball. And so if you just think about a snowball rolling down the hill, it starts really small and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the way you do this is you take all your debts and you stack and you stack them with the lowest debt to the highest debt. So you put them down on a spreadsheet or a piece of paper, bam, 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 bam. So let's say you got your 3000 or $300, I don't know, phone bill. You've got your credit card that at 5,000 and then 10 grand on student loans, student loans, whatever. And so you're starting with the lowest, lowest thing first. And this is not the quickest way to pay off debt, but it is psychologically better. And studies have shown that this is the way that most people get out of debt. Success, the success rate here is higher because as you're slowly taking, uh, bites at your overall debt picture, you know, you're able to see uh, incremental steps. You're able to see baby steps towards your journey. You're able to see progress. And that's the key and the most important thing is like, 
you got to see a reward for your action. <laughs> like you've, you, there's something, there's just a human nature and a human tendency. Like we need to see that what we're doing and the hard work we're putting in is, is paying off. And, and, uh, when you pay these off slowly, you take, um, the, uh, the money you were paying in minimum payments and you're putting it onto your next one. And so it, it rolls faster, the faster you go down, just like a snowball would. Yeah. And so the second way is a debt avalanche. Now this is for the financial nerds out there. Um, this is the mathematics. This is not the one I, re- I recommend to people, but I do want people that I coach to hear about this because it's like, so you know, for some people that this might work better for your personality type. Like for yeah. instance, if you're single, you've got a high income, et cetera. This is really good for high income single people. Uh, the highest interest rate first. So you're just going to take, you know, probably your credit card debt. Exactly. So there's credit cards that are 22%. You need to attack that. I would say in general, like attack the 2020, the 22% deal first. I mean, knock that out. And so that's the faster way out of debt, but sometimes the higher interest rates can have a bigger balance. And so it'll take you a little while to get one down. But then once you got that sucker down, it's like, it's like an avalanche falling down the hill. It's like, bam, you've, you've finished it. And, and so those are the two ways, and uh, we'll provide more information about the Debt Snowball Debt Avalanche in the description. Sweet. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for listening. We appreciate it. Hope that we weren't too harsh this morning. <laughs> Bringing the fire. That's Bring right. <laughs> preaching down, y'all. Um, we'll put these in our description so you can have the resources. You can learn more and stuff. Again, we have that uh, questionnaire form for coaching services from from andrew you can check out our social media channels are also going to be in there um anything you want to add to that that's good i uh if, if you are in debt and you would like someone to walk you through that process on how and have accountability because that's the real thing coaching is is sometimes we just need accountability in our lives someone to just be there for us and sit through the negative emotions of debt and and debt you know like we've said before can feel so hopeless because mathematically it is if you don't deal with it it is going to compound you into the ground Mm -hmm. so to prevent that sign up for coaching let's get it done you can totally do this yeah cool well thank you guys again have a great rest of the week see y'all next time and remember don't look back look ahead let's stand (laughs) 